Hi, my name is Glenn Friedman. I'm the CEO of Prager Metis International, a full-service global solution for accounting and advisory services. And you are inside the C-suite. Today, we're joined by Bob Mayer. Bob, say hello. Hi, everybody. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I am a partner in the firm. I head up the CFO Advisory Services. I've been very active in assisting clients and partners and staff in the PPP program, and we're now heading to the forgiveness stage, and we've been working on getting that in place, and that will be in place by the end of this week. In CFO Advisory Services, these are the things that we do. We actually assist our clients in providing them, especially during current times, with interim virtual CFOs and controllers to assist the companies to be able to prepare their cash flows and assist them in crisis management services. We help with financing, fundraising, and grant support. And we act pretty much as their finance department, and we can handle the entire back office through our CAS area, our client accounting services area. We develop and maintain annual budgets and forecasting processes, as well as technical accounting research and implementation, insurance assessments and strategies, profitability optimization analysis, tax planning and preparation. We help our clients with financial planning and investment management. We do turnaround bankruptcy and restructuring services, as well as merger and acquisition and divestor advisory services on the buy side and the sell side. Bob, you're a busy guy. So you said something very interesting in that. You talked about this whole notion of virtual, right? So I recently wrote an article on what's old is new again. Now, you can see it in telemedicine. You know, I equate telemedicine to what used to be a house visit when you and I were young guys. Now, they've gone back to house visits, right? Only it's being done with new technology. So for me, what is old is new again. And you said something about virtual CFO. Talk to me about what a CFO was is being delivered today virtually. Well, years ago when I began and built my practice, everything was in person. We had a referral. We went to visit that client and tried to make them into a client. Today, we don't visit, so we virtually meet. I've been working on a project with a partner who was in Italy and another partner who was in my West Coast office. And I was introduced to the client that my partner in Italy had brought into the firm. He wasn't comfortable in handling an M&A project, so he introduced me. They had a potential suitor or investor, and I met virtually with the client, and we discussed different opportunities that they could put into place so that maybe they didn't go over the border and give away the ranch. Basically, our partner on the West Coast was going to help the client create a stock option plan to reward employees that help them grow. They're in the bio space, so a lot of people like to get rewarded for their time. I worked with them this week on calls with their bankers, trying to 
procure enough money in the event that the deal didn't happen so that they can continue to grow. All of this was done virtually, all basically by using Zoom. And it's amazing how many people you can bring into the equation. This client was in way upstate New York. And, you know, if we had to make the trip, it would have been probably with staying overnight. And then at the same time, bringing the person from the West Coast in to New York to meet the client. And all of this has been done virtually. It's state of the art and it's in place of the in-person. Can't do it because of COVID, but now because of virtual, it's really the way to bring more people into a discussion. Very interesting. So I guess our listeners don't know this, but Bob is currently in the Hamptons and I'm currently upstate New York in the Catskills. So we're a pretty good example of working virtually. At the same time, I think Bob would agree that we're both experiencing Many people that are moving into our area, I'm living in an area that was primarily farmland and the amount of young people coming here with families looking for space, the first question they ask these days is, is there internet service? Is there Wi-Fi? And if you can provide Wi-Fi or internet service, you can come here and live and work and earn a living, which is a big shift in our economy. We were all moving in this direction, but COVID certainly has accelerated this process. And for me, just to go back to what is old is new again, when I look at these family farms, people lived and worked where they lived and worked, right? And what we're starting to see is that that's happening again. People are working remotely and they're living where they work. Now, it presents a whole lot of other issues, but we're just reliving things that have occurred in the past when people lived above their family store. And so to that end, Bob, are you seeing an acceleration of this type of behavior? Well, I've been out in West Hampton since March 3rd because I am over 60. I've been trying to distance myself and we really stayed in our house for a very long period of time. As a matter of fact, my children and grandchildren didn't even want to come to visit and they wanted to make sure we were quarantining ourselves. Both of my children work for the firm in different capacities, and we do speak on the phone during the day based on business, but it's still not the same thing as having somebody right in your home enjoying each other's company. Now that a couple of months have passed, I mean, they have come out to visit, but there's a lot of construction going on right out here on Dune Road because the people are looking to move. People that had New York City residences, they don't want to go back to the city. And it's a very, very tough rental market out here. There's really like no product on the market. And people that even had anticipated renting broke their leases because they wanted to stay in their own houses because that way they knew that they at least had a place to stay that was outside from New York City. One of the people I know who's a banker and just bought a brand new house out here. He has a place in Florida. He doesn't want to go back to Florida either. So he's staying out here. And everybody is working on their laptops, doing virtual meetings, and trying to carry on business. I mean, I've been trying to get us to continue to do business development in the area of CFO financial services. And I've held with every one of our offices meetings with bankers 
And that's the way we used to develop our practice years ago. Bankers used to be our referral source. And today, it's really more a matter of just making sure that bankers know what services you can provide and how you provide them. And every meeting that we've had has developed into some type of relationship or a referral to one of my other partners, maybe in the family office area. I introduced one of the banks that they had no relation or contact with before that I met via these breakfast banker meetings. The only thing we weren't providing was the food, but everybody sat down and brought their coffee to the computer. And at times we had as many as 60 people on the call, which consisted of the banks as well as our partners from that respective office. So is it fair to say that the old techniques of building relationships are still tried and true? I think they are. This is a people-to-people business. I think that everybody has to develop with their accountant a certain relationship. It's one of trust. It's one of who do you tell everything to? You basically discuss it either with your attorney or with your accountant. And I think that we've adapted to what we've needed to do to make it continue in servicing our existing clients, but most importantly, even bringing in new clients. We need people to understand what services we have to offer. And we are a very diversified firm. We can offer pretty much almost anything that basically is something that clients today are looking for. We have an international arm, very important when you're dealing with even my consulting client that I started to work on. I mean, they're dealing with a Japanese company that may want to do an investment. So when I get to that point, I would reach out to my partner that handles the international taxation and make sure that we provide that client with all the protection and service that they need. Great. So, Bob, just to wind things up here, you know, you or nor I are young guys. We have certainly less time in front of us than we do behind us. Tell me what you think your legacy should be, your professional legacy. Well, I think that I've done a lot in my career. I started in 1973 working for Arthur Anderson. That name has disappeared due to things that they did, but they didn't do it while I was there. (laughs) I joined actually after leaving there Prager and Fenton, which is the Prager part of Prager Metis. And I was there for about five years. And then when I moved to Long Island, I wanted to be closer to home. And in those days, That was something you did have to consider your commutation. Today, that's not really that important. Later, I left there and I went into private industry and I obtained tremendous insights into being a CFO and vice president of finance and building companies that one of them, when I went there, was 12 million. When I left, it was 65 million in revenue. The other company I went there was a wholesale company doing 60 million. When I left, it was doing 180 million. And I went back and started my practice in the basement of my house and basically built it into a firm sizable and large enough to be merged into Prager Metis. And I think my legacy is the success that I've had. And I appreciate the opportunities that I've had along the way. And now I'm trying to develop further this CFO service advisory area. Those are the things that I'll be one day able to look back and talk about. I want to say that you're back in your basement, Bob. Um, uh, Boy, all that goes around comes around, doesn't it? 
But uh, what it's I really true. Want to it's is, true. I just actually kicked my dogs out of one of the rooms that they've had for 18 years, and I <laughs> bought a desk, and I have my printer, my desk, my laptop, and I have on top of the wine cooler, which is a very important asset that you have to have, is a small screen that CNBC is scrolling by all day long. And, you know, you need that as well as getting up once in a while just to go outside and keep your sanity because you can go a little batty when you're in the house and everything's going on. I appreciate you being on this program. And I want to thank you from your wine cellar to my car, which is a long <laughs> story. But uh, I really do enjoy talking to you. And it's been a pleasure being your partner and having this conversation. And I want to say thank you. And you're inside the C-suite, folks.